I'm TJ. And I'm Will. And this today with us we have special guest Thomas Manning on Real Talk Sports here. How are you doing today, Thomas? Hey, I'm doing all right, guys. Appreciate you having me. No uh, it's great to have you. Um, Thomas is part of the Butler Pantry, a, another sports show here for the radio station with Brendan Boylan. So today we're going to start out with GW Sports, as we always do for Real right. Talk Sports. So men's basketball is the big um, title here, men's basketball, in their final home game versus the number one Big South team, UNC Asheville who defeated Winthrop to win the Big South regular season title. Now, this is a big one. The last time UNC, Asheville, and Gardner-Webb played each other at Gardner-Webb, Gardner-Webb upset them. Can mm-hmm. they do it again, guys? Uh, this is going to be a little bit uh, tough. Uh, considering uh, that LaQuincy, Rideau last year, handled uh, the Gardner-Webb scoring uh, pretty well, and uh, David Afiani, I think, will have that pressure since uh, Liam is starting to show a little bit of rust uh, since uh, this is going to be his last game, and he needs to uh, put his gas on on the uh, metal, on the pedal as well. Same goes for, like, Jamal and uh, Lasan. Oh, yeah, we've seen that Gardner-Webb can hang with UNC Asheville even this year. Uh, earlier, they had a game in Asheville. They led by two of the half, Gardner-Webb did, and Asheville went on a run to, you know, eventually win by five, 65 to 60. So we've seen that Gardner-Webb is capable of hanging with them. It's just a matter of what we see that again. And I think being in their home home arena, that's going to be a huge benefit to them. You know, last game of the season, senior senior night, and a good rocking crowd. So if we can have all that and have them play one of their best games of the season, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Gardner-Webb pull, out, pull off the upset. You know, Gardner-Webb started out a little rough, and then in the middle of Christmas break at midseason, they were dominating. They were undefeated at home at one point, and they've only lost one game at home. So with that being said, they've got a lot. This is a lot of pressure building up, not to mention that Liam's, who has been rusty this last few games, has to be on his game. David, Oswell, I mean... We're losing Liam. Lasan, he has to play best because this is his last home game as well. And Jamal, who was such a big contributor last year, has struggled tremendously. His shooting percentage has gone down to almost less than 30% compared to where he was shooting at 39% in field goals, which is pretty good. Also, when you talk about Gardner-Webb's defense, that needs to be better in the paint. They also they struggle to guard the perimeter, as well as rebounding has to be better. So when you're facing UNC Asheville... I was at the away game. We played them at there, and they had a Gardner Webb had a great lead in the first half, and they let UNC Asheville come right back. They have to stop momentum. When UNC Asheville has great momentum, as they proved against Winthrop last night, they can they're unstoppable. So that's one thing that has to be stopped here. What about women's basketball in their final home game against High Point? We are losing two, three seniors here. We're losing Celia Tibbs, the center who leads the team in blocks. Alexis Hill and Tierra Huntsman, two huge contri- player contributors here. What do you think about the women's? Women started out amazingly. Now they're at fifth place right now. They're taking on High Point. How big is this win for the women if they can pull this off? Uh, all in all, I think this is like a major improvement for the women's basketball team because last year they have struggled uh, tremendously. And for them to be number ranked number five in the conference uh, when uh, last year they were ranked uh, near the bottom, this is pretty amazing, and I think they could uh, have a deep run in the uh, Back South uh, tournament. Maybe even uh, go to the NCAA tournament. Who knows? Oh, definitely. What do you think, Thomas, about the women's? What has been your p- point of view on the women's basketball team this year? Oh, yeah, well, I've been doing a lot of work with sports information and, so I, um, you know, taping the games for the Big South Network. So I've seen them up close and personal a lot, and they've, they've had some really impressive games, but also some just very – some games where they've just looked absolutely dismal. It's been very tough to watch. Um, I think the first time I saw this was they had been on a great run at the beginning of the season. Uh, I believe they were at 11-3, and three, and Liberty mm-hmm. came to their home court and just blew them out of the water, ended up winning about 25 points, and that kind of was the catalyst for the rest, for their dropping off the cliff the rest of the season. And they've, they've just been incredibly inconsistent since then. They've uh, reeled off a few wins against, you know, teams they should be. Like, they went through up in Longwood as well as Charleston Southern. They put together a three-game winning streak there, and that was that was very uh, helpful to them. But then last week they uh, have Presbyterian come in their own building, and they just could not guard, and they could not, and they could not shoot as well. So just on offense and defense, they could not. They were just completely – discombobulated if you will and it was 
it was tough to watch, and they can't play like that if they want to be able to close out the season strong. So tomorrow at High Point is going to be very crucial to see. You know, I don't, I don't think they'll make a huge position change in the Big South standings, but uh, I think they, if they can build some momentum, I still think they have what it takes to uh, make a run in the Big South tournament and possibly make it to the NCAA tournament. With a win, which a win over in the Big South tournament would give them a seed in the NCAA tournament as well. Yep. We talk about this. How will the women fare? You know, losing their two best shooters here, Alexis and Tierra, and you know they still got the tw- twins with Samantha and Carly. And you talk about how Savannah, how she's upgraded even more. And you, you got Kaija, who still has one more year left after this year. It's going to be interesting the women, how the women do over the off season. But if they can make a run. They, you're right. They could win the Big South tournament. But spring sports has started. By the way, winter sports, other winter sports. Indoor track is at um, the Big South Conference against Liberty. And this is the conference championship. So hopefully it all goes well down there. Then track season, outdoor track season starts soon. But talk about spring sports, including for Gardner Webb, baseball starting us off with. Nine, sorry, <clears throat> sorry. Four and one right now, including big wins. They blew out Navy, left them scoreless, beat a tough Georgetown Hoyo team, lost to Wake Forest, and then beat Wake Forest at Wake Forest, which is really tough to do. They're on a great winning streak, and then they beat Siena last night. They play Siena in a three-game streak at home these, this weekend, including three, two times, twice tonight and once tomorrow. So... What do you think about this baseball team so far, guys? If you, I know you've gotten a chance to see them. Thomas, I don't know if you've had the chance to view. But from what the sounds of it, Will, is this baseball team for Gardner-Webb, is this the big deal, real deal here? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. Um, baseball uh, kind of been on and off the past few seasons. But I think that uh, with the right amount of uh, effort, and the right amount of practice, I think this could be this team could be a force to be reckoned with within the uh, Big South. Oh uh, yeah, I think you know that win against Wake Forest, as you mentioned, I think that could be huge for them this season. I believe Wake Forest last year was a finalist in the College World Series. Really? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, if they can, they've showed that they can compete with anybody really just here in the first five games of the season. So if they can continue that, we'll see how. I'm not. I'm not completely sure what the rest of their schedule looks like and how um, you know how tough the caliber is of the competition, but I think they will continue to do well and I think they could make some noise in the Big South if they continue as they played in the first few weeks of the season. I think. I think not only they can make some noise in the Big South. I think they can make some noise overall in the NCAA. You know, making a note on Wake Forest, they didn't really lose anybody from last year either. So that's what makes this a big win. And, you know, when you have Chandler Redman, who has a batting average of .533, which is big. You know, he has two home runs on the year, and it's also led with Mason Fox. You have Eric Jones and Corey Howard and Tabor Monguero, and it looks really good for the baseball team. You know, I'm very, I love baseball season. It's always exciting here at Gardner-Webb. Not to mention the pitching game has gotten even stronger with guys like Langdon Wilson and Aaron Stewart. I love what I've seen from these guys so far, and I'm excited to see how the season goes. You know, after Siena, they play at Wofford, which is going to be tough, so it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. Women's softball has been doing well as well. They're 9-4 and four right now. They play number 14-ranked Georgia, though, today. So we're talking about women's softball. I know you've also viewed them. What is your thoughts on them right now, you know? Uh, they're usually uh, a little bit on and off because, well, I was at a doubleheader. Uh, first game they dominated. I think it was Western Illinois. They dominated like ten to nothing, or ten to one. And then the next game they played Eastern Illinois and they got dominated nine to one. So I figured they just need to like rest up their players enough time they need to uh, carry the win with the momentum into the next game and just uh, keep pounding away. They also lost um Aaliyah Jordan who transferred to a school in Georgia. So that was the, she was on um, their freshman player of the year. Not to mention Big South player of the year last year so that's big loss right there now she has her sister who plays here who's done really well filling in the shoes and you know so women's softball they've looked impressive they're on and off like you said thomas what is your thoughts on this women's softball team oh uh, yeah i haven't really had a chance to check them out too in depth yet so far this season but a nine and four start is it's always good when you can get off to a good start and 
you know, hopefully build upon that throughout the rest of the season. As they play number 14 Georgia later tonight, that'll be a huge test for them. And I think we'll really get to see what they're made of and who they can compete with. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to check them out more closely uh, throughout the season. Uh, maybe I'll be able to do some work with the Big South Network and um, see what I can see what I can gather from viewing them. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and seeing what Garden Web Softball has to offer. I am too, and I, I love spring sports just like mm -hmm. I love winter sports. I, I, I really do. Like, Gardner Webb is at their best at spring and winter sports. Yeah, so I'm excited. But to going into, um, while Gardner Webb hasn't had any drama, other schools have, especially with the NCAA here. Starting with breaking news today, players from more than 20 Division I schools have been identified as possibly breaking NCAA AA rules through violations that were uncovered by the FBI's investigation. Schools include Duke, UNC, NC State, Texas, Kentucky, Michigan State, USC, Kansas, and a lot of named players here, including current ones like Wendell Carter from Duke, Colin Sexton, who leads Alabama in scoring, and Kevin Knox, Miles Bridges, a big name right there from Michigan State. It's, it's crazy. I mean, there are literally three dozen schools are being, under look, are being looked, and here are the schools that are possibly going to get severe punishments here. South Carolina, Louisville, as if they don't have enough drama, which we'll talk about in a few, Duke, UNC, Texas, Kentucky, Michigan State, Alabama, USC, NC State, Seton Hall, LSU, Xavier, Maryland, Washington, Louisville, and South Carolina, Wichita State, and Clemson, mm. and, and others. So let's talk about, this is a big deal here, guys. A lot of things have gone wrong going wrong right here these schools could be severely punished let's get your thoughts first off thomas on this breaking news our guests go first of course <laughs> what is your thoughts on this i mean this was breaking news early this morning this is huge ncaa has never had something as big as this three dozen ncaa teams in violations 25 of them facing severe punishments possibly yeah, when I first heard about this this morning, I was I was completely shocked. I knew it was pretty widespread, but I don't think I realized that it was this incredibly widespread. You know, I'm a I'm a Texas Longhorns fan, so when I heard that they're involved, that was um, you know on a personal note that hit me pretty hard. I was like, you know, that's my team, and I, I've always rooted for them. I feel like they were always honest, but uh, hearing about this, this is pretty rough. And mm -hmm. look at just and how many, like you mentioned, three dozen teams. And three dozen schools—that is outstanding. And you look at all these players that are that are in the NBA currently. You know, you have Dennis Smith Jr. with the Mavs, uh, who played for State. You have Isaiah Whitehead, who's currently with the Brooklyn Nets, who had been with Seton Hall, as well as Markel Fultz, uh, number one overall pick last year. Um, he's yet to yet to have a huge impact in the NBA with the Philadelphia 76ers due to injury, but out of Washington University, uh, mm -hmm. UW, um, you know, that's just to name a few. And then there's, of course, uh, Bam, Bam Adebayo with Miami Heat out of Kentucky. So it just, that's just four right off, right off the top of my head right there that, you know, four pretty big names, the NBA, and that's not even to mention the ones that are in the, currently in the NCAA, like you mentioned, Wendell Carter with Duke. Miles Bridges from Michigan State, who's another big name. Colin Sexton, the only guy that locked up Trey Young this season, is in big trouble right now. Yeah, so this is just, I don't think there's ever been uh, trouble in the NCAA on this scale before. Uh, with I don't, think, I don't think many people expected it to be this big of an issue, but here it is, and it's this is going to be a story for the ages i believe before we get your opinion will the five schools that aren't supposed to be severely punished are utah vanderbilt virginia and creighton and iowa state so will let's get your thoughts on this um this is huge obviously and yeah. crazy any what are your words about this well i don't think this is something we've ever we would ever experienced before if not, we probably wouldn't have thought this would have ever happened. Uh-uh. But for, like, uh, 25 out of uh, who knows how many uh, schools there are in the NCAA. In Division or, One, let alone. In Division One, uh, even though there's a ton of them. Uh, who just would have thought that uh, 25 of them would, uh, like, be at this level? 
because this uh, damages not only the team's reputation, but it also ruins the image of the school as well. You also talk about three dozen, so that's 36. So 25 being severely punished, five being not as bad punished. There's still six teams that haven't been identified yet. So FBI, but they know there's 36, but the schools have not been identified, the other six. So with that being said, I mean, this is huge here. I mean, we're talking about a lot of a lot of teams could lose wins, championships. You talk about Duke and UNC who have won championships the last three years. Duke 2015, UNC last year over Gonzaga. I mean, this is bad here. I mean, not to mention a lot of wins could be vacated. I mean, and Louisville, who's also in this mess, they're already in a big mess, enough as it is, which we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. But it just shocks you. I mean, for the first, this is the first time in history where more than 10 teams in one violation have been caught by the NCAA. And this is huge here. And the more new, we'll talk about it more as time goes on, as we get more word about it. But going to Louisville, which we were talking about earlier, Louisville, they were accused of paying players and also sending prostitutes for the last, for in the five year span, the last five years. First, Rick Pitino gets fired. The great Rick Pitino gets fired from Louisville. Then, they, um, Louisville was fighting with the NCAA because now the, 20, the wins from 2013 as well as their championship was in, on the line here. So they're trying to appeal it. Two days ago, it was announced that they failed to appeal. All the wins from 2013 and 2014, gone. Their 2013 championship, gone. What are your thoughts on this, guys? We'll start with you, Thomas. Oh, yeah. I've always found, the, found this just to be a silly punishment to take away wins. Uh, they, I just it doesn't really hurt anybody you know the players they know who won the coaches know who won and you know the guilty party they they doesn't they didn't really have a huge impact on the play of the game in this uh, in this situation um you know we were talking about this the other day on the Butler's pantry with Brendan Boylan how back when Reggie Bush won the Heisman and had in 2005 I believe it was and had it vacated Vince Young was the runner-up that year, but they didn't give him the trophy or anything because he wasn't—he wasn't the best player that year. Reggie Bush was, and you know, in these situations, Louisville—they won the national championship because you know they were the best team, despite mm -hmm. what you know they might have been breaking some rules. They—they they were breaking some rules, and that's wrong. But they—that didn't really affect their on-play, their on-court play, and they—they they earned that with how the the players that played and not every player was guilty a hand, handful of them were but you, I don't think you can you can just take it away and say it didn't happen because they're not going to give that championship to Michigan who was who they beat that year uh, I believe Trey Burke was on that team that, yes and, and Gary uh, Mitchell and all of them yeah I believe he won the wooden award that year and uh, you know he's a he's been around in the NBA since then and yeah it's just the whole vacating wins thing, I've never really agreed with that punishment. I think you can bring down uh, harsh fines possibly for yeah. the school or for the coaches and anybody involved, but uh, just vacating wins does nothing in my opinion. Uh, exactly. And, you know, Will, let's go ahead and get your opinion before I start talking again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like what uh, Thomas said, um, uh, this overall seems kind of silly for a punishment, even though, you know, a more reasonable punishment would have been uh, good, like a fine or maybe even a suspension. Take away scholarships. Take away scholarships. Uh, but to take away a championship, something that this team worked really hard to get to, which not every team gets to, to do, unfortunately, because... Mm -hmm. uh, Let's uh, be honest, uh, uh, Gardner-Webb, uh, we don't uh, know how often they'll get to go to the NCAA championship. And it's, it's been six years since they were last in the NCAA tournament. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, for uh, that, taking away that championship kind of takes away Louisville's pride. Like, they don't know what to do now. Not to mention that, I'm, I'm going to go with a football reference here. Remember Penn State and yeah. the Sandusky yes, thing? Yes, yes. Joe Paterno was punished for something he didn't know about until last minute. You took all those wins away from them. You literally killed the man. He was heartbroken. He had to leave. He couldn't show his face out. Not to mention the Penn State players that were affected and weren't. They became, it became, got worse for them. I mean, are you really going to take away wins that these guys worked hard for because some douchebag went out and assaulted men or some somebody paid players and gave them prostitutes? Are you going to really affect the school in general? 
Why not take away scholarships? Why are you going to take away wins that happened a while ago that people worked hard for, especially a championship? You know, I don't always agree with the NCAA. I agree with what's this breaking news that we just talked about. I agree, hey, yes, there should be punishments. Even as a Duke fan, I'm saying, yeah, Duke should be punished if this is the case. But to do this, it's like one of those things. Let's say you, you're an accomplice to murder. You didn't murder anybody, right. but you're in trouble because you were an accomplice. You were a part of it, even if you had no role whatsoever. And that's what it all boils down to. And that's how people are affected, you know, and... It's like I was talking to Thomas earlier about the Michael Orr thing. One of the reasons I don't like the NCAA is because back in when Michael Orr was about to go to Ole Miss, they accused him of the Tuies because they said the Tuies are adopting people purposely to train them to play for Ole Miss. And, of course, that was shot down immediately. But it was a long process. The NCAA is stipulated by a lot of things. Louisville should be punished. But take away scholarships. Don't take away the wins. No. I mean, any more words on this, guys? No. Sorry. All right, but um, teams, let's talk about something positive, like teams that could do damage in the tournament. I mean, 10 ACC teams are projected to go to the tournament, and right now, it's if you take away all the drama, this is a pretty good season. This is the year of the upsets. No one has stayed number one for, so, for long, and not to mention that teams you wouldn't expect, like Texas Longhorns pulling out upsets, NC State pulling out upsets. This is going to be an interesting tournament. So what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, like what teams do you think could do damage that aren't really ranked high right now? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to ride Middle Tennessee State. Uh, they they have made it into the top 25. They're number, I believe, 24 in the nation. Oh, yeah. But uh, they're first in the Conference USA. They've won like 14 out of their last 15. So they've had a very solid run over the past, um, you know, the past – couple months and they haven't had an incredibly tough schedule just because of their conference you know they're I guess yeah. they're a mid-major but that kind of goes with the territory we've had that with had that discussion with Wichita State throughout their many years of success and you know they finally moved moved into a, a stronger conference so I think that was beneficial to them but you can only play on who you, you can only play who's on your schedule yeah, at, exactly and I think Middle Tennessee State with what they've been able to do and they finally gotten some recognition as they've moved into the top 25 and you know right now Joe Lenardi is projecting them as an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament and you know that 11 seed they're they always seem to pull off an upset at least out of one of the regions and they they tend to make some noise within the tournament uh, we've seen 11 seeds advance too Oh, yeah, no. we, we've seen, I believe George Mason was an 11 seed in 2004. And they went to the Final Four. Exactly. VCU upset VCU. Kansas and, and went they, to the Sweet 16. And they also went to the Final Four. Oh, heck yes. Um, Butler for two straight years. Went to the Final Four and even went to the championship. And going to Mid-Tennessee, they upset number five Minnesota in the tournament last year. Exactly. I agree with you on Mid-Tennessee State. Other than Texas and NC State, I'm going to hop on Rhode Island and New Mexico State. New Mexico State made noise last year. They're a good team this year. Rhode Island is very underrated. They're finally ranked like they're supposed to be. They could do some damage. And I wouldn't, It wouldn't surprise me if teams like Virginia and Michigan State fell out in the first two rounds. So before we go to the NBA here, um, star Arizona guard Alonso Trier has been declared ineligible by the NCAA after testing positive for a banned substance the university is setting to appeal. This guy is one of their star guards, and now Arizona, as if they weren't going through enough trouble, who has been up and down this season, now they lose their star guard. What are y'all's thoughts on this? Oh uh, yeah, Trier. He's had a he's had a pretty solid year so far, averaging uh, almost twenty points and uh, per per game, as well as thirty four minutes. It's tough to play thirty four minutes and be that in, engaged in the game. You know, forty three percent three point percentage throughout the year. So he's He's meant a lot to this team. In Arizona, they've had a bit of an up-and-down year. They got off to a really rocky start on some of the preseason tournaments. They lost, I believe, three three straight games and mm -hmm. uh, dropped from number three in the nation to outside of the top 25, which was a historic drop for them. But they've really responded since then and have won. You know, they, they're currently 22-6 and six after starting about 1-3 and three or so. And it's been... It's been a remarkable turnaround from them, and they've they've pulled off some pretty impressive wins. Mm -hmm. But this uh, the loss of Alonzo that's going to be 
very, uh, I think it's going to be very impactful in a negative way to them as they head into postseason play and into the Pac-12 tournament as well as the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament. Um, this is, yeah, I think this is pretty, um, it's going to have a pretty tough effect on them. What, you, what about you, Will? Uh, this is going to hurt Arizona, especially since they've been, especially since they've been starting to uh, do very well in the men's basketball, and they have been for a, a few years now. But I think uh, for this to happen, uh, it's uh, just going to only hurt them the, in the long run. I agree, too. You know, this is as if they weren't going through enough, which I've already said. So we're going to the NBA now, the Major Basketball Association. So the Mavericks are in hot water. Will, you've got the update on that news. Tell yep. us about it. All right. So uh, there are accounts being held against uh, three members of the Dallas Mavericks organization for sexual harassment and uh, a culture of misogyny within the office. Uh, and there are three people, and the three people involved are former team president and CEO Terdema Ursary, who was described as serial sexual harasser who terrorized numerous female employees for actually more than a decade. Oh my God! Uh, former Mavs.com beat writer Earl Sneed, whom the team retained through two domestic violence incidents, the second to being uh, the assault of a coworker, and Buddy Pittman the Senior Vice President of Human Resources, who failed to respond to the women's reports of abuse and harassment. Mm. And you know, I heard Mark Cuban say if he, if he could go back and do it again, he would have gotten rid of, all, of two of those good members that were with him at the time. What are your thoughts on this, Thomas, for this Mavericks hot water situation here? Oh yeah, well, it just this, we've seen this ripple effect all throughout society, not just in sports, but, oh, you know, and, you know, all areas of society where it be you know entertainment music movies uh you know tv we've seen women you know getting the courage up to come out and say you know they've been they've been harassed and abused and that takes a lot of courage on their part and we're growing to see that there's been a lot of mishandlings of the situation by you know the organizations that support the harassers and it's been it's been very unfortunate to see, and you know, I don't know that, um, you know, some of them sometimes you don't, we don't know the whole truth. There's still got to be investigations, but I think you got to take the investigations seriously. And when there's been so many people that have come out against one person, I think you really got to look into that. And this Dallas Mavericks situation I've seen in the news recently, you know, Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, he's he's just talking about how incredibly despicable it is that we've they've had this issue, and you know um, Mark Cuban, he's been in a lot of hot water this week. He was fined six hundred thousand dollars, I believe, by the NBA for coming out and saying that basically the Mavericks were going to tank the rest of the season to in order to get a higher draft pick. So the Mavericks are in a pretty rough spot right now, and this situation does not make it any better. Wow, that's. It's, you're right, and it's really hard in society. You see a lot of this for women who have struggled to come out, even men who have been through this kind of thing who struggle. And, you know, it's just a bad part of our society. And, you know, the Mavs have been through, like you said, a lot of hot water, you know. Unlike, um, just do, you could have just done with what the 76ers did. They kept quiet and just tanked on purpose for a lot. But, you know, just a lot going on in the NBA, and not just that, but society. So hopefully things get better and Hope to and you know, a lot of prayers for those women who have been affected and deep gratitude to them first coming out and hopefully it goes their way. So now before we go to our NBA picks, NBA committee is thinking about adding more seats to the playoffs in the near future. This has been a talk of discussion last year, now they're talking about it this year. What are y'all's thoughts on this? Oh well I think we've already got what sixteen out of the thirty teams in the NBA. <laughs> um I don't think we need that many teams. I, I think just adding more would only cause more issues. Uh we don't have the NBA playoffs last for about two months to, from April to uh middle of June. Yeah. That's that's a pretty long playoff season. Definitely. After, after a long season anyway. They've got eighty two regular season games and lots well, of well, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's because like uh, these games are like a best of seven uh, series because uh, these games could easily go to to a game seven if possible. 
well, yeah, but still, like Thomas was saying, it's just not necessary. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to give the number one seeds, like the Warriors and Cavs, for example, or not even the Cavs, the Celtics? Would the Warriors and Celtics get a bye and just let other teams bring in two more teams? That makes no sense to me, to be honest. It doesn't make any sense to do that whatsoever. I mean, it's kind of like when college football, the playoff committee, wanted to add 16, six to eight teams. And at one point, one of the committee members said, you know, at one point we were thinking about adding 12. You, football takes longer than basketball. You know how long 12, a 12-team 12 12 team playoff would take? And uh, plus, considering that it would just cost a lot more money. Exactly. Think about the cities they have to play in. You know, the NBA, they can play home and away for both teams playing against each other. And, you know, I just, it takes, like Thomas said, this thing takes two months. This thing ends at around mid-June, sometimes July, depending on if it goes into Game 7. So I disagree. And like LeBron James said, you can tamper with the All-Star and just say add more things to it. But this is the playoffs. I mean, we don't need more than eight seeds per division. Mm-hmm. Going to the NBA picks, Bucks, Giannis and the Bucks take on DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, and the Raptors of Toronto. Who wins this one, guys, tonight? Thomas, we'll start with you. I'll take the Raptors. They've been on a hot streak going into the All-Star break, and I'll look for them to continue that. They're currently uh, the number one spot in the East uh-huh. above the Celtics and Cavs, and I don't think many people would have expected that at this point. And they've been, you know, they've been pretty quiet. You don't hear a lot about them, I guess, because, you know, they're in Canada, and, you know, we're here in the U.S., and they're kind of quiet up there. But they're they're very dangerous with Kyle, Lar- Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, uh, two phenomenal players, and um, you know, look out for this team. To, they might snag the number one seed if they keep it up. And, uh, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's a he's an incredible player for the Bucks, and he's going to be one of the best players. He already is one of the best players in the league, but he's gonna con- only going to continue to improve over the next few years as he matures. But I don't see them uh, taking down the Raptors tonight. Uh, yeah, I'll take the Raptors on this one. I'm going to take the Raptors here as well. What about you, Will? Uh, I want to go with uh, the Raptors as well. They have won nine of their last uh, ten games. They're on a seven-game win streak. Uh, They're only going to keep building up more and more momentum as the season goes on. In fact, I'm actually going to make a bit of a bold prediction right here. NBA Finals, I think, will be Houston versus Toronto. Ooh, I like that. That would be a shocker, you know. If Houston comes back and finds a way, because, you know, they've the Warriors and them, their series between them is tied in the regular season, so that's exciting. Coming up, Timberwolves take on the Rockets. Speaking of the Houston Rockets, Timberwolves have a pretty good team, led by Jimmy Butler, Carl Towns Anthony here, as they take on James Harden, Chris Paul, and the Houston Rockets. Who wins this one tonight, Thomas? Oh, yeah, this is a great primetime game, uh, you know, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN, and, uh, you know, I think... It's always fun to see those on a Friday night. Uh, I'm going to take the – well, I was thinking about taking the Timberwolves in an upset, but, you know, I, I can't quite do that with the way the Rockets have been playing, especially in their home building. It's a very tough place to play. Uh, you know, James Harden looking for an MVP uh, MVP award this season. Just he's had an outstanding year so far. You know, Rockets half game ahead of the Golden State Warriors uh, in the – in the West at the number one spot. And I don't think many people would have expected that going into the All-Star break if you asked them at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't see it amounting to much. I'm still riding the Warriors in the long <laughs> run. Uh, it's gonna. It's tough to bet against them with what we've seen, how their consistency over the past three years. But the Rockets could give them, they could give them a big scare. And yeah, I'll take the Rockets in this one over the Timberwolves. The Rockets are 23 and six at home. I think they go 23-7. and seven. I think the Timberwolves will have a good night simply because of the depth they have. The Rockets, their Timberwolves won't go far in the playoffs like the Rockets will, but this is one of the nights I think the Rockets will be off. I'm going to give the Timberwolves a chance at an upset. What about you, Will? All right. Uh, I think I'll go with uh, the Rockets in this one. They have a lot of momentum. Uh, they are just uh, literally blasting away the competition. Uh, I think that if they're the team in the Western Conference who could probably stand a chance against the Warriors, I think Houston would probably be that one team. Uh, and Minnesota, while they've been doing good and uh, they've won at least five of their last ten games, meanwhile Houston is coming off of a ten-game win streak, so obviously the momentum goes to them. I say they keep it going. I'd go with Houston. Thunder versus the Warriors. Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant again. Who wins this one? On um, This game that takes up place on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I'm going to, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm riding with the Warriors. They... Last night, we saw a very impressive performance by them. 
you know, the Clippers, they put up a pretty good fight. Uh, I believe Warriors only won by a couple possessions. But Steph Curry put up 44 points. He was knocking down threes from all over the place. He had, I think he had his longest three of the season from uh, pretty close to half court uh, the end of the first quarter. And that, you know, that he's that's just what he does. That's his thing. And he's continued to have a very impressive season. Uh, you know, Thunder, it took him a while to kind of gel after we, we had Carmelo Anthony and Paul George come in and join Russell Westbrook. Uh, like another big three coming in and it took them a while to get it together but once I think they've really found their groove in recent uh, in the past couple of months I would say and is this going to be a lot more competitive game than I think it probably would have been at the beginning of the season but still I'm going to take the Warriors to pull it out as they play in Oracle where once again a very tough place to play so I'm going to take the Warriors here I think that you know, the Warriors, after coming off a strong night, will continue to do so. It's a big three versus the big three. I think the Warriors win it this one. What about you, Will? Uh, well, the only injury the Warriors are dealing with right now is Jordan Bell, and he's only put up five points per game. So I'm not sure if that's going to affect them very much. Uh, they, the last win was a, a seven-point win against the Clippers, which obviously you is kind of weird considering they allowed the Clippers to hang with them uh, for that for that to deep into the game. Uh, so I think that they're actually going to struggle against Oklahoma City, but I think that the Warriors will pull out the win in the, in, in the end. Major League Baseball, a lot of moves being made this offseason. The big one, Boston Red Sox signed a huge deal with J.D. Martinez, a deal of a deal worth of five years for $23 million per year. What what are your thoughts on this, Thomas? Oh, yeah, well, you know, spring training's getting underway now. I believe today is the first day of games. So, you know, I think we'll really start to see how, you know, Martinez is going to fit in with them. And it's going to – I'm not – I don't follow baseball as closely as you two do, but I'm going to try to start following it more this year. And I know the Red Sox, they've been a very, um, you know, historical organization, and they've been off and on in recent years. But a few years ago they managed to pull out a World Series title. That was a, that was a huge – World Series win after the uh, infamous Boston Marathon bombings. Uh, I'd say that's uh, all the motivation they needed. Uh, exactly. That's the point I was going to make. So that was huge for that city in that moment. And, you know, I look I look for them to continue to grow. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some, uh, make some progress. And the, they play in the AL East, don't they? Uh, so, yeah, I'd like uh, – I don't – I see them making some huge progress. And I think uh, we could definitely uh, expect uh, some uh, great tension between uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees uh, since that, that's easily the biggest rivalry in all baseball. Yeah. In all sports, one of the biggest ones well, in all sports. In all sports as well. Toronto Blue, um, Blue Jays kept Josh Donaldson as he agreed to a one-year deal worth $23 million. This is pretty good for the Blue Jays, especially since they're trying to rebuild and they want to keep this guy here. Cubs also making moves. They signed you, Darvish, which not a lot of people are understanding why, but mm. rumor has it they signed him because they're getting rid of Jake Arrieta. So I don't know the big – I don't know if that's one of the big reasons. That's an um, rumor. But the final thing to talk about Major League Baseball, where will Tim Tebow end up? Will he end up with the Mets this year or as a minor league – with a minor league team? Uh, I think he might actually end up in uh, the majors because he's actually done very well in the minor – Gainer leagues, and I only think it's a matter of time before he could actually get called up. Maybe he'll end up with Miami, or he'll end up with the Mets. So who knows? Oh uh, yeah, Tim Tebow. I just love the guy. He's just a great guy all around, Same. and uh, I, I would I would have loved to have seen him have a make a career in the NFL. And you know, he had some success. Took the Broncos to the playoffs and won a playoff game with them for the first time in many years. But uh, then. He just couldn't find a great place after that. He bounced around to a couple teams, but he's continued to do. He's continued to have a career in sports, whether it be in uh, you know analysis on college game day. He's he's done some stuff, for college football, and he's not giving up on his dream and what he's doing in the minor leagues. If that just shows, you know, he still has a shot as as a professional athlete. That just shows his work ethic and his determination. And so, yeah, I'd love to see him sign a major league deal and, you know, finally achieve his dream of being a professional athlete. Same. I, I love Tim Tebow, all-around great guy, and I hope best success for him. In the NFL, this is breaking news. Marcus Peters, the Chiefs are trading him to the Rams. Hmm. 
interesting right there. Hmm. Definitely, because uh, Chiefs seem to be getting rid of uh, everybody because they sent Alex Smith to uh, Washington, uh, who uh, just got rid of Kirk Cousins, and now they're getting rid of Marcus Peters. That's interesting. What is the, really Kansas City up to? And, you know, I just heard yesterday that Eric Berry might go to, as a free agent, and that's another big defensive player right there. Unless if uh, Kansas City is going to pull out, like, uh, an impossible elephant on us, like a pull a rabbit out of that, uh, uh, I don't know what their, what their whole I, idea is. I don't know either. But your new Colts, um, Adam Winatieri, has um, 23, 23-year veteran, um, resigned from the Colts. He's going to play one more year and then retire. This is a big, um, great, not only a great kicker, but one of the oldest players in the NFL right now. What are yeah. y'all's thoughts on this? I mean, we've grown up with this guy. Yeah, 46 years old, still playing in the NFL. That is just an outstanding number, outstanding statistic. And, you know, I remember I'm a New York Giants fan and seeing Jeff Fiegels. I don't know if you guys remember him. He, I do, oh, actually. Yeah. He was their punter, and I believe his son is actually the punter for Miami University oh. in Miami of Florida. And, um, but he had an incredible career, incredible uh, incredible tenure with the Giants. Yeah. He was with them from, like, 1988 until 2008 or something like that. Yeah. Playing until he was in his 40s. And, you know, the, with the kickers, uh, if, as long as you, you know, as long as they stay healthy and don't get hit too much, the offensive line is doing their job. If they keep their leg strength up, they can have incredible, incredibly long careers like this. Exactly. And this is just another example. Uh, Adam Vinatieri, one of the clutchest kickers of all time, um, multiple Super Bowl game-winning field goals, and not to count, not even to mention the regular season field goals that he's uh, won, won games with. Uh, he's, you know, this season he's looking to break some all-time points records, as well as you know all-time field goal records, and you know. I, I think that's probably why he decided to come back one more season t- because he saw how close he was and he's just wanting to put the icing on the cake of an outstanding career. No, I definitely agree with that because this guy will easily go down as one of the best kickers in NFL history. Yes. And we've seen this guy done the impossible. He's won, he has had, what, three game-winning uh, Super Bowl field goals? Yes. For the Patriots? Yeah. Well, three of their five uh, through all wins. And yet Tom Brady gets all the credit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. Because uh, I've uh, th- I've seen interviews with Adam Vinatieri. He seems like an overall awesome guy. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like he, he deserves like this one big shot. Because he definitely has, a, has had a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for him to do one more season with the Colts... Uh, I say he's going to try to go out with a bang, uh, even though the Colts uh, didn't do so well this uh, past season. But maybe they'll actually do well this season uh, with, with that when they got uh, the offensive coordinator from the Eagles. Yeah. And with Andrew Luck possibly coming back healthy, we'll see how that is. He said he's not going to have to have a second shoulder surgery. So, um, you know, if he can come back to, those, to the level he was playing in his first three years in the league, he was playing some MVP caliber ball. If he can yeah. get back to that, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Colts make another run this year. And if even if he does come back, I, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna be interesting to me how he p- comes back and how he plays, basically. Bucks cut um, Nick Folk, by the way. Another kicker. Another kicker news. Yep. Nick Folk has been cut by the Bucks. And finally, for the NFL, Kirk Herbstreit replaces John Gruden on NFL ESPN draft team. John Gruden now head coach for the Raiders, which I'm excited about this upcoming season. So now we'll go to college basketball picks. Starting us off, number 17 Michigan has made some pulled off some great upsets, but can they avoid an upset of their own against Maryland, 1911? Who wins this one, Will? Ooh, this is tough. Uh, Michigan uh, tried to ride into the game with all the momentum that they can, uh, but Maryland, I think, has been doing exceptionally well. Uh, I don't think uh, they've been getting uh, like uh, all the credit that they deserve. Uh, but I think that uh, Michigan will give this will win this one, even though I think it'll be much closer. Thomas. Oh uh, yeah, well Maryland, I think they're a bit of a bubble team right there at 19 and 11. Uh, and if they want to, if they want to improve their resume to get an at-large bid into the tournament, NCAA tournament, then this would be a huge win for them. You know, um, right toward the end of the season, it's in their home court. They've got number 17 Michigan coming to town, and Michigan, they I think they've surprised a lot of people this year. Uh, I don't know that a lot of people had them having a year this solid, but they have. So I think this will be a pretty uh, pretty close game, but I'm going to take Michigan. They're going to 
they've you know they beat I'm a, as a Longhorns fan I watched them beat Texas earlier this year and they were very impressive in that win and I look for them to do more of the same and take out Maryland in this game I'm gonna take Michigan here simply because I love how they're playing I just think they're on a hot roll right now Number three, Villanova takes on Creighton, who's been up and down this season as well. But can they upset Villanova? Ooh, this is going to be tough. Uh, Creighton is coming off of two losses. Their last one was uh, from 23 points to Butler. So uh, Creighton is in desperate need for a win right here. Meanwhile, uh, Villanova, they're coming off with a big win against DePaul. They're running into this game with a lot of momentum. And I think that momentum will carry over. And it'll just to bring uh, the Wildcats closer to uh, probably a Big East uh, victory and maybe even an NCAA tournament victory. I'll go with uh, the Wildcats. Oh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Villanova, they've probably been the most consistent team in the NCAA this year, you know, besides, of course, Virginia, who's number one. Those two have been right up there. And uh, we saw a couple years ago Villanova, what they're capable of is they took down UNC in that epic uh, championship game oh, on that buzzer wow. beater. Uh, that was that was a remarkable game. Uh, last year it was a bit, a bit of a more ugly championship game as we had UNC and Gonzaga, but if Villanova was Villanova was able to make it back this year, which I wouldn't be surprised at all. Then perhaps we would see some more magic from them. So I'll take Villanova in this matchup. Villanova has two players coming back from injury, including Booth, with who had a broken hand, who was out for two weeks. I think Villanova steps back up and wins this game. It's always a good game when these two play, though. Number six, Gonzaga takes on BYU. Who wins this one? Oh, I don't think I should go with Gonzaga in this one. Uh, they are on a 10-game win streak. Uh, they are white hot right uh, now. They have 85 points per game, and their field goal percentage is almost 50%. Oh. So I say that uh, I, can't, I don't think I could go against the, the Bulldogs here. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Last night, they just clinched at least a share of the West Coast Conference and you know they're 16 and one in their conference. It's, they've just been a very consistent team over the past decade since I've been watching college basketball. And you know, coming off an NCAA championship appearance last year, they're looking to go back for more and you know, hopefully pull out the win. Yes. Uh, you know, St. Mary's is right behind them in second place, but in the, their conference. But I don't. I think Gonzaga is a much better team than St. Mary's. Uh, they've already played them a couple times this year, and they beat. Uh, they lost to them once, but the other time they they managed to pull out the victory. So yeah, I think Gonzaga's going to win this game. Well, I think Gonzaga's going to win the West Coast Conference as well as win this game. If they win this game, Saint they will clinch it. Saint Mary's needs them to lose, and then Saint Mary's would have to win. I'm taking Gonzaga though. I think it'll be a close one, but Gonzaga by three. Auburn, who's been very impressive, very an underrated team that's now been in the top 12, takes on Florida, who surprisingly has bounced up and down. Who wins this one, guys? Well, Florida has lost three games in a row. Their last loss was a five-point deficit against Tennessee. I think the, the Gators need to win badly. They might put up a good fight against uh, Auburn, but with the momentum Auburn has been on, they beat Alabama 90-71, so... Obviously, uh, they have uh, like all the right uh, the right attitude going into this. Uh, I'll go with War Eagle Tigers. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that. Auburn they had a very surprising year. I believe Bruce Pearl is their head coach, uh, former coach at Tennessee, and he stepped in and done a done a pretty nice job with with Auburn. And you know, earlier this year, I believe Auburn they had a game against Gardner Webb in there, oh, yeah. and uh, so we, there's a bit of a connection there to Gardner Webb and Auburn has looked pretty outstanding, 24 and four. I don't number one in this uh, SEC. I don't think many people saw that coming. So I'm going to take them to beat Florida in this. I don't. Florida has not showed a whole lot to me this year. I'm take Auburn as well, simply with the same statements y'all have made. Two top, two um strong underrated ACC teams face off. Number 25 Florida State takes on NC State. If NC State or Florida State wins this game, they'll have 20 and they will clinch a spot in the NCAA tournament. So who wins this one, Will? This is going to be uh, very tough, um, but I say NC State will win in an upset. Uh, they are When you look at the team stats, they are very close, uh, very closely matched. So obviously this might be, go, be an overtime game, but uh, NC State, they're uh, coming off of an 82-66 to win against uh, 
Boston College, and they need uh, that momentum as badly as possible. I think Wolfpack will win this one. Uh, yeah, uh, looks like we're agreeing on just about everything so far. <laughs> but yeah, NC State, they've had a very, they've pulled off some remarkable upsets this year. They beat Clemson, Duke, uh, UNC. Arizona. As well as Arizona, yes. Uh, so those are all top 10, well, top 20 upsets at the time, and I look for them to pull off another one uh, tomorrow against Florida State. I'm going to take NC State and upset. I think NC State is the better team here. I think they've – Coach Keats has really changed this program. You know, Godfrey did a good job. Keats is doing a great job. I, I like NC State. And finally, our game of the week, another surprise. Who would have thought Texas Tech's basketball team would have been top ten? Yep, number six. Takes on number eight, Kansas. Who wins this one today, guys? This is a huge Big 12 matchup. Whoever wins this takes first place in the Big 12. Ooh, this is a really tough. Uh, oh, jeez. Do I have to pick one? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think I shall go with the Texas Tech. They're in badly. In the, they, they need to win badly. The last, the last game they lost by eight to Oklahoma State. And while Kansas has been doing exceptionally well, they also have been kind of a hot and cold uh, team. Uh, eventually, they'll get back on uh, that uh, winning track. But I think they'll hit a huge roadblock with Texas Tech. I'm going to take Kansas in this one. I think Kansas will have a better game than Texas Tech. I just I expect Kansas to win it. Right, you, Thomas? Oh, yeah, I'm going to take Texas Tech. Uh, they've got the home court advantage. And, you know, like you mentioned, they're coming off a loss. They're actually coming off two straight losses. Uh, you know, lost to Oklahoma State as well as Baylor, both road losses, which were, you know, very tough for them. With Kansas, they've won the Big 12 regular season, like, what, 12 years in a row or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That is just crazy. They've been incredibly dominant in the conference. and um, But if Texas Tech pulls out this victory, that streak may be in some serious jeopardy. And so I'm looking for Texas Tech to do that after coming off two straight losses, coming back in their home building. Uh, I think they're going to provide their fans with a lot of excitement with this game. And so I'll take Texas Tech in the upset, a bit of an upset over Kansas. With that being said, this was Will Talk Sports. Thank you for joining us, Thomas. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. I'm TJ. And I'm Will. And this was Real Real Talk Talk Sports. Sports. See you next week.